Nashville resides in Toronto. And I'm Aaliyah Jasmine here in Los Angeles. Let's get right to it. We have been witnessing history as uh, Black Lives Matters protests have been happening all over the world, including in Toronto and here in Los Angeles. And we felt like today we really just needed to talk about how that relates to our community, the South Asian community. We're gonna talk about anti-blackness within the South Asian community and racism, as well as how our community can be allies and seek allyship uh, when it comes to helping the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. it, it, and I'm so glad we're doing this because um, I don't know if any of you, hopefully you've seen our last episode, uh, which was about colorism. And the timing was interesting because we talked about our own experience of racism. And when we talked about it and what's going on now, we realize uh, it's nothing comparable to what the black community has been dealing with for generations and generations and generations and generations. And right now I feel like AJ and I are having this conversation where as South Asians, as, as brown people, as brown women, we need to actually step up and be part of this whole experience of being solidarity. We need to be their allies and we really do need to speak up. And that's why this is so important for us to be together and to discuss this. And that's not to say that brown people haven't faced racism. So before your yeah. little you know, Twitter fingers get the best of you, we aren't saying that. We are saying there is a huge difference. And this is a much, much bigger issue that we need to be a part of and on the right side of history for. So grab your cups. It's time to spill the chai. I don't have mine. It's here somewhere. Fake one. <laughs> Before we start, let's just uh, quickly address why we don't have a black person on our show joining us. We thought about this, right, Sangeeta? We thought about opening up the panel, and um, it was a conscious decision not to. And let me explain why. Uh, we have heard from so many of our black friends, our black colleagues, fellow journalists who are black, that at this moment, the black community is tired. They are in mourning, and it is not up to them to educate us. Uh, it is really, they keep asking us, so many of our friends and colleagues for Black are asking us to educate ourselves, to go out there and understand what's happening and that we need to do the work. It's not up to them to teach us. Uh, we have to go out and do the work because Black people can't end racism towards Black people. We all need to end racism towards Black people. So for that reason, Sagita and I have both committed to start doing our own research. And we wanted to share that conversation with you and tell you what we're doing and hopefully encourage you to start doing your own research and educate yourselves um, mm -hmm. when it comes to this. Yeah, and I think that that's a really good point because I feel like the last week, and if you've all been on social media right now, uh, our Black friends, our Black community have been trying to educate us in ways that they have been very open and they've been really been raw and uh, things that they have never posted before and showing us the way. Take that. Take that information. Educate yourselves. Mm -hmm. And at a time like this, it's taking that education forward and making it your own voice. And that means understanding history. It's understanding what this all means in our society acknowledging your biases, be uncomfortable with it, learning from it and, ha you know, talking to your community, talking to your friends, talking to your family and, 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 and let it be, let it, it's uncomfortable. We all know it. We yeah. know it exists. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. 
And that's, I think that's the importance of this conversation. And me and AJ uh, did an earlier, we did an IG live and we were talking about this. And even I myself was brought up in a community where I was brought up with black people and uh, certain conversations, certain words were common. Uh, I didn't know any different until now. Well, when I got older, I'm like, I can't believe I didn't stand up for that person. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe that was okay. Mm -hmm. And it's not anymore. And it should not be for the next generation. That is not a conversation the next generation needs to have. I mean, we're that generation that we're talking to our parents um, and acknowledging it. So yeah, they are tired. They are frustrated. But at the same time, we have to learn from them. If they're saying their truth, don't argue with it. Yeah. And also... Nobody yeah. cares what you think if you're not black right now. <laughs> like, yeah. can I say that? And, and I and I don't mean to be rude, but I'm going to sound rude. And I just feel like, um, you know, especially to our white viewers who are watching this and, and even to our brown viewers who are watching this, we have all felt racism in some way. Nobody is denying that. But this is not our moment as brown people, as South Asian people. This is not our moment. This is the Black Lives Matter moment. And it is so important that we listen to black voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not up to them to educate us. It's up to us to go seek that information to find out who to follow, whose voices you should be hearing. I have seen so many living in Los Angeles um, and having these protests happen so close to me, having riots and violence happen so close to me. I have seen my social media feed inundated by white privilege and their views on what is happening with these riots and with these But protests. shouldn't they be doing that? Shouldn't they be sharing their moments rather than being silent? What are your thoughts on that? No. I mean, this is something this, this is something what I think that they should be doing. I think that white people who are right now looking at that protest and have their view of what that looks like, they need to acknowledge that that worldview comes from a system that has taught them to look at the world a certain way because of the color of their skin. What I think that they should do is take one minute one minute to go on social media before they post, I am so scared. I am so scared of the riots and this violence. And, uh, you know, I feel bad for that black people are losing lives, but there's no excuse for looting. Before Mm. you go on social media and you write something so ignorant that I know you really feel and you feel like you have a reason to post, take one minute to go out there and search out black voices, black journalists, black Mm. that you trust, that are out there and see what they are saying about the riots and see what they are saying about the protests. Because what you will all of a sudden realize is that there is a worldview of what is happening. You're both looking at the same thing, but there is a worldview of what is happening that you have never thought of. Um, and what in the case of the protests and the riots is that you know, a lot of black voices were saying, yes, it's important right now to take this conversation and actually reprioritize it. So instead of saying, um, you know, it's the Black Lives Movement, Black Lives you know, uh, Matters movement is important, but there's no excuse for looting and rioting. Instead mm-hmm. of saying that, it's important to reprioritize that sentence and say, um, the looting and the rioting sucks, but there is no excuse for the loss of innocent Black lives. Right. It's a really important different worldview. Yeah, and it's almost like we don't care about your opinion on looting and riots. Really, don't talk about it. There's no reason for you to bring it up. 
and and I think some are doing it correctly where they're putting out information of how you can donate, how you can write petitions. I think that's the way to go. Uh, your opinion on it really is not the point right now. Um, putting education information out there is the most important thing I think right now. I put something out um, on social and it was a raw conversation of a daughter who was white talking to her parents and she was standing up for her rights in terms of giving them the information that she knew about the black community as her parents were putting down using words a ghetto using it, it, it is real and it's raw and uh some people were against the idea that you know you should not be talking about it. i'm like no you need to talk about it. this little young girl is speaking her voice and telling the truth of how people should be treated and i put it out there because people need to realize you have to be uncomfortable you have yeah. to, you have to let yourself, we're, we're so Canadian where we try to stay safe and we try to say, okay, you know, this is not yeah. the conversation to have. It has to happen. This is the time to happen. You're so right, Sangeeta. And like, I know that it's not like, no one wants to hear any journalist, you know, including you or I say like, we don't care what you think because we care what you think for a living. Uh, I think what I'm saying, and I think it's really important for everybody to hear is it, it's time for us to listen. And yes. this includes journalists, this includes all of us. If you are not black, it is the time to listen. Okay, let's talk about what's happening in both of our cities because we are shooting this right now on Sunday, June 7th. Um, and I think it's a lot's gonna happen by the time this airs. A lot has happened in the last five days since we've talked about doing this special. Um, so let's talk the, We should also say we paused Spill the Chai the last few weeks because we felt that it was very important that we take our our, you know, our just focus on Black Lives Matter. And I, yeah, and it was important to us to do that. So we are back now and we are going to be posting. And if it means us having serious conversations, we're going to continue doing that because I think it's so important for our viewers. So we want to hear from you. So make sure you, you put comments, questions, whatever it is. And as brown people, uh, like we just said earlier, we really do need to be their, their allies. And I quoted yeah. earlier, um, we can be oppressed, but we can also be the oppressor. And we need to really talk about that right now. And also, and I want to get into this a little bit later, because um, I do want to talk about what's going on in both Toronto and LA. I think it's really yeah. important for that and compare. But, you know, I have been literally going head to head in my DMs with people who are I consider my friends. And if you're a brown person who grew up in Canada, you know that you have tried to make white people your happy your whole life. And you have yeah. just tried to fit in with like cool white people your whole life. And so it's not easy to go against them and to risk not being accepted into white circles. Like that is not easy. And I feel like um, I've been going head to head with a lot, as a lot of us people of color and, you know, uh, people who are seeking allyship have done. Um, is go head to head with people who live in white privilege. And I don't think that privilege is a bad thing at all. I think that ignorance is a bad thing. And so, but a lot of people are just so stuck in their worldview. And I I put this out on Instagram and I wanna share it with all of you. Um, it's this meme that I saw and it was, I thought it was so poignant and, and kind of raw and to the point, but it just it was black writing and in white letters, it just said, I would rather piss off my white friends than bury my black friends. Oh, geez. Yeah. And I think that is really important for us all to understand when we talk about like, how far do we go? Do we piss off our friends like for a fight that's not ours? Right. And I think that that's mm. really important because um, it is our fight. And, you know, I think we've all faced racism. 
um, and we understand what that feels like. However, right now is not a time to say like we face racism too and play this like Olympics of injustice. I think that it's really important for us to realize that the disparity between white and black is very, very large. And mm -hmm. if we're able to mend that blue sky scenario if, we're end, if we can end anti-black racism, uh, mm -hmm. especially with systems, then every other marginalized community also benefits. And yeah. is, it, it, it's not about us, but it is also our fight. Yeah, and you make a really good point too. Yeah, you've dealt with racism. Hold on to that feeling mm -hmm. and amplify that to a thousand percent. Yeah. Use that, use that feeling to fight for what we believe that should be right for black people, the black community. Like, you know, yeah, I don't want to get emotional, but the last few days being uncomfortable has taught me, um, and I and I'm sympathetic, but I need to be even more sympathetic. I need to just understand at a different level that I've never had. Everyone has their problems. Everyone's dealing with their situation, but it's nothing compared to what they have gone through. And it's tough. It it's is tough. tough. And like, it's if you're really crying right now, if you're not having those uncomfortable situations, like I've been crying in my house. I cry every day. I've cried with yeah. Mike, with Mike. Like we have, for those of you who don't know, Mike is my fiance. He's white and um, I, you know, I think that this is, it's important. It's important for us to be having these conversations. Um, so, okay, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about what's going on in LA, in Toronto. We want to talk about anti-black racism within the South Asian community. And then we want to talk about how we can seek allyship, how our community can seek allyship and help the Black Lives Matters movement. Um, so Sangeeta, do you want to start? Like how, what's happening in Toronto? Yeah. I think, you know, we're having protests here uh, for other reasons as well, but also for the Black Lives Movement. Um, you know, it's been very peaceful process, a very Canadian way. Uh, mm -hmm. But the conversation that's been happening is a lot of people are comparing uh, just because our mayor, as well as others who are in the political parties, have said that it's not as bad in Canada. It's not as bad as it is in America. And people are saying, and I think the missing message is, um, racism does exist in Canada. That's just, that's, we all know that. Um, yeah. Is it as bad as it for people who are black in Canada compared to the US? So that's the conversation that's happening now. And within that conversation, people are now talk, not talking about law and order, talking about police enforcement and how they treat people. Conversation has become about corporate racism. Uh, and we know that exists. We know it's real. We know what the higher <laughs> yeah. levels are. Yes. We know, we know what the top tier levels and the color of people at the top tier level is in every industry. We, we acknowledge that. So it's that and, 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 you know, is that the conversation we're supposed to be having or are we supposed to be right now changing the law? So it protects mm -hmm. black people with the law enforcement. So there is this change, a shift that's happened over the week. We've, you know, we've mourned uh, George Floyd and what happened to him. Now we're in the, um, I guess we're just enraged and frustrated with everything. And now it's almost acknowledging what do we do next? So it's a moment. It's a moment. So how do you feel about comparing Canada to the U.S.? Because now that you live in the U.S., do you feel it's worse? So, I mean, you put me on the spot, but. Um, what you do know. you think? <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you my personal opinion. And, you know, we said we were going to do this podcast to be honest. So let me be honest. Um, I am not well versed enough in the history of racism in Canada or in the States, to be quite honest, um, 
to be able to make an educated comparison. That's the truth. I am right now trying to get more educated. I feel like I am probably more educated than the average person. However, there is a long way for me to go. Um, that being said, as someone who is a person of color, I can talk from my own experience and from what I notice um, in terms of systemic racism and overt as well as covert racism. And I will say that I endured a lot of racism in Canada. I do feel like it is a whole other level in America. That being said, yeah. that being said, does it make the experience of racism in Canada less hurtful? Absolutely not. I don't know if you've seen this clip, but I think it was on CNN. And one of the questions that came through was, um, when have you been pulled over by a police officer? And it was a question that was sent to America. And uh, these were black bo um, boys who were talking about at the age of 14, a police pulled them over with a gun or 15 yeah. or 16. And there was, it's unbelievable the age. Does that happen in Canada? I don't and know, what was the right? Oh, you don't so know. The, there is no answer. And so that's where my dilemma is, is do black men deal with that here in Canada? I think and they if do. that's the case. I do think they, I think they do. And I think a great example of that was, for example, you know, my former coworker, I think you've worked with him many times as well on red carpets is Tyrone, you know, and I think he very powerfully stated that he has felt all those things living in Canada. Um, I will tell you this though, like last, uh, last year I was working on a show for NBC and one of the guys that was working on the show, producer, editor, who's working on the show, mm -hmm. um, he was you know, sitting at the computer next to me and he was like, you know, looking for cars. He was okay. buying a used car. And so he was like online and he was like searching for things. And I was like, oh, like, what are you looking for? What kind of car are you looking for? And I was actually looking for a car at the same time. And so we were talking about it and, um, and I'm like, so what do you look like? What are you Googling right now? And he's like, oh, I'm Googling something like separate. Cause we were like, I was looking at like, you know, auto trader and all those different like, mm -hmm. um, and um, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm Googling something different. And I was like, let me see, what are you like, what are you looking at? And he was Google searching which type of car color and make is the least likely to have a cop pull you over. And I will tell you this as a woman and a woman of color, um, as much racism as I have felt in my life, I have never, ever, ever, not to say that it's better or worse, but just to say it's a different experience. I have never, ever had to worry about looking up what color and make of car is least likely to attract a police yeah. attention when choosing the car that I want. And that is like, I think really important is that this, as much as we as South Asians understand racism to a certain degree, this is something we don't this isn't our experience. And so it's important that we, no matter what we feel like we know, it's so important we listen to black experiences right now. It really is. And, you know, talking about being allies and, you know, we're in a unique position as South Asians where we can relate in some level, minuscule mm -hmm. level. Um, and we can also relate to the white side as well. Like we have yeah. this, we're in a very unique position and Hassan, who did a clip, I don't know if you saw it, uh, but he talks about how the South Asian community um, don't acknowledge that they're racist. And he puts it out there. The words that we use in, when we communicate with our parents or our community and thinking it's normal, uh, he brings up the idea of uh, 
acknowledging that, like we said, but also changing the way we talk to our parents. Um, you know, they have always thought they had to compete against the black community to be better and superior to it. And they created this inner war, a race war with them and trying to, and, and fair enough, you want to survive, you want to do better, but imagine the power if they actually worked with the black community and where we would be at this point if they did that. Right. Well, so, and also the education that it takes to understand that why is it that we want to impress the white community and be part of them, but turn our backs on the black community. And that does go back to what we talked about in our colorism video. Um, and it goes back to that, these roots of colonialism and that we were seen as closer to white than black people were. And so we were lifted up and like, you need to know that like, that's the where that comes from and that's not okay. And like, I think that is really important. Let me ask you something about um, I want something really specific um, to ask you about about Canada. Uh, as somebody who's living in America right now during all of this, um, in Los Angeles right now during all of this, you know, in the heart of these protests, seeing how our administration has responded to it, um, what does Canada think about Justin Trudeau taking a knee at the protests? Because uh, as a Canadian living here, I will say that it was breathtaking for oh, us right. to see someone in his position do that. Um, the messages sent is, you know, regardless of the semantics or the background, it just felt so powerful. What was Canada's response to that? Yeah, I think I think for me, when you see that photo of the prime minister taking the knee, we haven't seen it in any other country. We have not seen any other leaders even attempting to take the knee. Uh, but there's been a lot of controversy around it because of when he was younger, he did the blackface, which he acknowledged. He was an art student. He talked about creating that character and it was wrong. It's wrong on so many levels. Um, and he also, the fact that he hasn't spoken up. And so, um, you know, taking the knee and he hasn't followed up with that. How come he has not talked to the, to Trump? How, how come he has not talked to the administration? Um, and, and that's the problem. Here. I think it's great. It is powerful. Yeah. Don't you think that the fact that he even took a knee stands up to the administration though? Because that's, I feel like how we're seeing it here is like, even the fact that he did that yeah. kind of like, is like a in your face Trump. Hey, like, yeah, kind of like F you. Yeah, I, 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 that's how I saw it. And, but then I was surprised by the reaction to it. And so there's a lot of mixed emotion, but I have to give him, even if it was a photo op, it's better than holding a Bible and uh, going, <laughs> I don't even get in that situation of what Trump did, but um, it is way better to do something like this where it's powerful and saying that I'm with you. And I do think our prime minister, he has been open about race. He has talked about diversity, uh, about inclusion. And I think that that making that statement was very important. When we see the administrator in the U.S. and talking about diversity, it's a whole different direction, right? He's been very open about being racist in so many different ways. And I think, you know, talking about this with you right now, um, this is a moment where we are learning how to learn, how to listen, and how to educate. Yes, we're talking about the Black Lives Matter, but it could be another race. Like when 9-11 happened and at a time when Muslim community was destroyed in many different directions, different ways. Uh, they were attacked in different ways. I think in a whole, if we support Black Lives Matter, I think we're trying to take on and tackling racism in general. Yeah, we are. And I think that's important the amount for people of to realize. It's so big, right? Like yeah. the systemic 
racism and oppression against black people is so great and so deep and literally rooted into every facet of life in America from the education system to uh, the criminal justice system to the health system. I mean, you name it, it is part of the way that laws like letting people vote. I mean, it's like where people buy property. I mean, it's just in every facet of the life here. And so, yeah, I think that by helping and supporting this movement, every race benefits. No, let's talk about what's happening in the U.S. because that's (laughs) this is where it's all stemming from. And for you to be living in L.A., one thing first, it's COVID is still happening. You're Mm -hmm. supposed to be in isolation. I'm assuming that's been all pretty much done with because you see these protests around the world, and especially in LA, we're seeing huge numbers coming out. How's that experience been for you? Yeah, it's been really emotional. Yeah. You know, it's been, it's been the, the protests at my doorstep and I'm talking literally like our fences were spray painted, you know, like mm. really at my doorstep have been violent. They've been emotional. It's been, unbelievable the whole experience has just been like overwhelming and inspiring all at the same time and I think you're right I think you know one of the things to remember with all of this is that this is happening with the backdrop of COVID and so you are seeing you are seeing all these people protesting at the same time that Americans are being the hardest hit by COVID both in terms of the economy, losing their jobs, but also in terms of health. So mm-hmm. I think it is really hard. You know, LA as a city is also historically uh, a city that has seen racial protests, right? Like you think of the Rodney King riots, you think, and it's like, I think it's really important to know that that is deep rooted. So people here remember, they remember what it was like when that happened, you know, and, um, and it is scary and it was scary. I'm not going to lie. Um, but did I talk about the gun thing on the Instagram live or? On, no, you haven't talked about it here yet. I haven't talked. Okay. So, um, so I think that the, you know, I think it has been, it's been both scary and, and eye opening. but I think one of the things worth mentioning is like, I was actually more scared of my white neighbors during mm-hmm. the protests than I was of the kids in the street. And I'm just going to like disclaimer this thing. I, these opinions are not the opinions of my employer or organizations I work for. This is my opinion as someone who's living in Santa Monica when those riots were at my door and I was seeing like, you know, a 14 year old kid running down the street with a pair of Nikes. I wasn't as worried about that kid or my safety with that kid. I was more worried about the rich white people living next door who literally in their bubble of privilege, seeing all these outsiders come into the neighborhood who looked more like me than looked like them, let me just say that, thought it upon themselves to hand out firearms to all of our neighbors to protect us. Now, I don't know what like reality this is, but, and maybe I'm too Canadian, but I am more afraid of a white, man in his privilege who thinks that he has the right to shoot his weapon yeah like what is he gonna do like someone comes out his door he's gonna shoot them come on and he doesn't know how to use it i am more afraid of a white man who is standing behind a fence protecting his property with a gun he doesn't know how to use than i am of a 14 year old kid who just 
or pair of shoes. Like I am that's so backwards. I that's think so that, wrong. That, that so much media and, and I'm not saying rioting is okay. I'm not saying looting is okay. I'm not saying that violence is okay, but I just think that media focus on the looting and the rioting and the smashed windows and the violence of a broken window far outweighed the violence of systematic violence that's killing black people. I think the fact that all this, this, you know, media attention was put on the, um, on the riots and on the looting just shows the kind of racist worldview that we live in, that the systematic, you know, the systematic mm. racism means that you keep some voices down and you raise other voices. So I made the conscious effort to not listen to any mainstream media because I didn't agree with what I was hearing on mainstream media. And I have said this, I said this before on my Instagram, I'm going to say it again. I think it's because I think it's really important right now in this moment. I think we all need to look at mainstream media the way that we look at fantasy football. So mm. instead of choosing a news outlet, be it CNN or whatever that we like look at and we cheer on that team or consume that media content, we need to pick our favorite players and then create our own team. And so during this time when black voices are really important. We should be seeking out respected black voices, creating like a Twitter list and looking to them for like how they're telling the stories. Um, and so that's what I did, I, I found, and I'm happy to share that list with any of our viewers. Um, yeah. But I put a list together of, of journalists that I think were, because when you saw the kind of stories that weren't being told, I yeah. mean, it was unbelievable. Like to see assembly, there was like an assembly woman who, um, Diana Richardson, who was was uh, sprayed with tear gas for peacefully protesting in New York. She's an assembly woman, like she knows the laws and that wasn't shown anywhere on mainstream media. And then all of a sudden it started getting traction by journalists, right? Right, and right, right. Independent journalists and then other people started picking it up. So I think those kind of stories are really important for us to seek out um, yeah. right now. But yeah, so LA's, LA's uh, you know, it's, there's riots, uh, there's riots, um, they kind of, uh, they simmer down um, into peaceful protests. There's still peaceful protests every day. There's peaceful, peaceful protests near my house every day. It's beautiful, it's inspiring. Um, I think that these kind of protests have been seen through the history of America. And what I'm hearing from my American friends is the biggest difference this time, besides the fact that this is the biggest, you know, civil rights movement globally um, in yeah. history, is that this time, as opposed to the 90s, you are seeing more non-black people protesting. And there is this awareness that for racism to stop in this country, it's not up to black people. Like black people can't stop racism. So it's up to the rest of us. So you're really, really seeing that um, here. Uh, it's, I feel emotionally drained trying to ex explain to white people <laughs> what's happening like I do feel like as people of color we're put in the middle a little bit and there's questions that our white friends don't have the balls to ask a black person and so they ask us and mm -hmm. <laughs> very, do you feel the same way yeah I do yeah I do, um, I do. and I feel like it's it's exhausting to have to answer like questions about what white privilege um, and try to explain that but that being said I can't I've been doing it for a week and I cannot imagine how black people have felt having to answer these questions their entire lives. Um, mm. So I'm just trying to like keep listening to black voices and, and uplift those. But I don't know. Did that answer your question? Does that kind of tell you? Yeah, no, it does. And I think from being in Canada and trying to figure out what is happening in L.A., it, it's inter in L.A. or just in in the U.S., um, being in COVID in isolation and people have 
more time mm-hmm. to understand of what's going on. I think that's the, you know, I've never seen a protest go on for seven days. Yeah. You know, we've seen this happen before. There's been uproars and people are feeling it. They want to protest. I don't think I've ever seen it last this long. And I think that's part of the reason we're, while we're in COVID, I think there's people who are finally acknowledging it. So we can't, we cannot miss this moment. We cannot, as as brown people, as Asians, we need to make sure we speak up when the white privileged people are being very quiet and being careful of what they're putting out there and just, you know, keeping their silent or, you know, some, oh, I can make comments about some people that are just, anyways, everyone's trying. Everyone's trying to do their best. But it is a moment oh. that we, yeah, we we just can't miss. And that scares me because, uh, you know, for me, it's more of changing the, 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 the conversation at a higher level. Um, and, you know, we were talking about corporate racism. We were talking about changing the law. That's where it needs to happen. I think this is the time. I have never heard of the Supreme Court ever acknowledging the Quality Immunity Act where it protects police officers until this moment. Yeah. And That's a 50-year law, and they're finally talking about it. And, you know, so, it's also interesting what you're saying about corporate America. I know that's a huge focus in, in Canada. It's not, you know, it, it's talking, talked about here, but not as much. But there was this, like, incredible tweet. And because we're shooting this on my phone, I can't look it up. But um, I, I retweeted it. And, I'm, you know, the producers can put it on the screen here. But it was this really great tweet where it said, um, thank you, thank you, cor- like, corporate America for your meme supporting Black Lives Matter. But um, now show me a picture of your executive board. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful. So important. I think it's so important. So let's uh, let's like talk about what nobody wants to talk about right now, which is um, anti-black racism within the South Asian community. The fact that brown people have faced racism but are also racist towards, not all, but some brown people are still racist towards black people. But that exists within our community. How do we talk about this? Yeah, and I think that, again, it's the situation of being uncomfortable with it. I sat with my parents who were in their 60s, 70s, and said, Mom, you know, this is the stuff you were saying that was wrong. This is the stuff that you guys believe. And they sat there. They didn't argue with me. They were like, you're right. You're right. And she goes, and then she, my mom would say, I dealt with it. And I go, I know, but imagine that's worse for black people. Um, and microaggressions, you know, I hate using that word, but it's real. It's, it's what we've learned and we keep using terms that we should not be doing in terms of, and in black entertainment, like there's so many things. Like we look at the culture of black culture and how we use that for our entertainment. It's so many things that we have to acknowledge and it's difficult um, but it's within you to make sure first, I think it's yourself wanting to acknowledge it and then having that conversation. You really have to break it down. And I went there. I went to a place where I was like, shit, you know, I said that and I shouldn't have said that. And so I really do think it starts with you. And you think, you know, we're, we're again, I said, we're doing our best. You know, you're doing your best. You're putting the information out there. You're acknowledging it. But at the end of the day, it really comes down for you to all that learning that you've done. And you said this before, it's unlearning it. And that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. There's this, this is all, this is a time for all of us to learn, but also to really unlearn. Um, and I find the unlearning a lot harder, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, and I think it's one thing is to call out people. I think we really need to start calling out people in our families, especially at family reunions when things are said. Like, you know, we talked about this in our colorism video, but even like hearing like your grandma say like, oh, you're getting black when you're in the sun for too long, you know, and, and that that insinuating it's a bad thing. I think that it's really important that we call any kind of racism in our families out, like not marrying people of certain races, like anything like that. But especially, you know, we know that this exists with, within mm-hmm. South Asian there is an anti-black racism happening. I also think it's important for us to really, like every brown person right now should be educating themselves on the effects of colonialism and trying to understand how colonialism made brown people want to be more like white people and turn our backs towards black people. Like, I think we really need to understand that. So when we are at a family reunion and our you know, racist uncle says something that it's, we can say something beyond the fact of like, uncle, that's not nice. Like, well, mm-hmm. why? Like, let's know about that. So, you know, following up on what you're saying about colonialism is the fact that we talk about civil rights movement and people talk about how that was so important at a time for blacks. It's actually very important for all race. Uh, In 1917, they put in an act, uh, an immigration act, where no one was allowed to come to the U.S. And in 1964, they're like, okay, we'll let a few people in, but we have to just have a quota. We'll get some people from Europe, India, China. Okay, done. And then the civil rights movement happened with Martin Luther King. And what happened at that pivotal moment was it opened up immigration for everybody. For us, you, me, we're all benefiting. Yes. We're all benefiting. And the look at my parents. And black yeah. women. I mean, you look at black women, look at LGBTQ rights. Look at um, look at uh, fe- the feminism with the right to vote. Like you look at so many different movements throughout history, and it's like Black women were at the core of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you, we need to educate ourselves. Yeah. On, on I, mean, I think you need to hold on to that. You you I'm not saying you owe it to them, but you do. <laughs> we do. That movement, of we, do. we owe it. We do. Make sure they are safe and they are not treated the way they've been treated for the whatever, what is it, 400 years mm-hmm. since slavery started. We need to make that change happen. And it starts with you and me and having this conversation as well. So how do we as South Asians like become allies? And I think this is important because I read this incredible like uh, article that was written by this black journalist. Um, and uh, I can't. Was it? in the Washington, it might've been in the Washington Post. I don't want to misquote it, but I, I'll post it on my social media. Um, but one of the things that they said was that like, you're never an ally, you can't become an ally. The point is to consistently and constantly seek allyship. Yeah, and I, again, it starts with you and I think it starts with listening and saying, not argue with it, don't give your information, don't talk about your people yeah it has nothing and you i know you felt racism i get it but you have to listen to theirs because it's way worse and i hate comparing but it is Mm. and i think that's the importance of it and and i think with the new generation coming up you know we we got to make sure they don't have to do this they i think i and i i feel like we failed them when i said this pandemic was happening the covid was happening that I feel like as parents, I feel my my kids' generation, I feel like we haven't done the right thing. How how are we having a virus like this killing people around the world? It just doesn't feel right that we've done anything correctly. And so I think the job right now as South Asians and any Asians is kids are not taking in the information we got from the last generation and changing mm-hmm. that conversation and that voice. So I think we can do it. I really, I do hope. I look at my girls and 
I see that. I see that they can be changed. They have no idea what racism is and they don't need to know. They need to know that they have to stand up for their friends and they need to understand yeah. they have to change the dialogue. So I, I think agree, it's possible. I, I agree with you. I don't have kids, but I will say like from, you know, the, the, my viewers um, who are, you know, gen, a lot of Gen Z, a lot of millennials, um, that they have a better idea of how to, um, how to live without racism than we do. The problem is that with systematic racism and institutionalized racism is that people running these companies, running the government, uh, running these institutions are people more our age than uh, are your kids age. Yeah. And yeah. that's why the conversations are so important. Let black voices speak. Don't don't try and talk in this moment. Um, let them speak. Listen. Um, don't s refrain from saying I felt racism too. I understand that this is their movement and it's important for us to support them because they're the, the it, it's just, it's a very, understand systemic racism. Like if you have, if you can go do one piece of homework is go understand the dif difference between overt racism, like the KKK and systemic racism. Like what's happening. Yeah. Like watch the movie. It's 13. real. Okay. If there's ever, let me, I want to say two things. If you can, these are my two pieces of homework for everyone watching Spill the Chai. One, watch the movie 13th. It's on Netflix. It's on YouTube. Go watch it. Number two, go listen to the pod podcast 1619. It's by the New York Times. It is multi-episode. It is long. It is heavy. But it is going to make you a smarter person. Um, I've been telling people to listen to this podcast since last year. And with everything happening in the world, people have, like, I have a, a lot of friends who just said it's too heavy. It's too heavy. And I get it. But, like, listen to it. Listen if you can do those two things, I think I think everybody watching this will be a lot, um, a lot smarter. Yeah. Uh, to add to that, Floodlines is another podcast that I really like. And yeah. In a movie that a lot of people, because just because I love Michael B. Jordan, he was out there protesting this weekend. Uh, just Mercy. Um, you movie. Very you did the, uh, the uh, junket for that, didn't you? Yeah, I think I did the red carpet at TIFF. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's a very important. Uh, and a book. This is a book. It's a long title. But Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? It's by Beverly Daniel Tatum. And I read this many, many years ago. Uh, I'm going to bring it back out to read it, but it's a very powerful book, especially if you have kids. It's a very yeah. important book to read. Um, and I think it's important as adults to understand it too, because that's something that will bring back your memories when you were younger and you're like, oh, this yeah. is the reason. So, yeah. And I was going to say too, if you have young kids, um, mm -hmm. I don't even have kids and I've been following them because I think that they're, that what they've been posting is so great. But on Instagram, a conscious kid at just mm. kid has really great resources for parents who are trying to explain this stuff to their kids and a lot of parents have dm'd me saying why do you need to teach racism to your child and why do you want to let your child know that there's <laughs> i can tell you that exactly right and there's yeah. a lot and a conscious kid really explains well the data that shows how much racism a kid acknowledges between you know three months to three years to six years and then by the time they're seven years how they look at the world and so they have readings that they recommend for different age groups so a conscious kid is really really good and if you're an adult and you can handle a little bit more uh, I'd like to also um, shout out at Rachel Cargill who's someone I've been following for a few years and she actually she will often say like it is not my job to educate you I am done educating white people I'm not explaining like she's like I said that for a long time um, but she actually 
created some workbooks. And if you go to the oh, link amazing. to her Instagram bio, um, you can download some of her workbooks and she tells you what work you need to do. So like, she's not going to educate you, but you can go educate yourself and she's giving you a way to educate yourself. And I think that's really, really important. So yeah. I love that. And uh, just a shout out to you um, for not staying quiet for using your voice and your platform has educated a lot of people. Thanks for not staying quiet. Uh, I, not that I'm looking around at people who are staying quiet, but I see I you and, and I think you're an ally of mine. There's a reason why this is happening. Spilling the chai is a reason. And the truth is this has brought us together to have these conversations. And it's so important to me. I just want to say, I love you. And, uh, and I appreciate it. I really, really do. Um, mm -hmm. Because there's other people who are friends, like you were saying earlier, who have stayed quiet. And I wish they did it. And, I know. Make me uh, cry. Because I wish they did it too. And it's sad because like, yeah. it, nobody should be staying quiet right now. It's like, no. it's like a really hard time for a lot of people. And it's so stupid that people are staying quiet right now. Yeah. Um, we love you guys for watching this and we appreciate you and uh, spill the chai is a platform where you can open up with us and have this conversation. Um, I, I think I'm not religious really, but I think God brought us together or some kind of spirit has brought us, us together to make this happen. Um, yeah. And we want to be your allies as well. So speak to us and thanks for joining us. Yeah. And to, and also like a quick message to all of our black brothers and sisters who are out there. Like we, I know Sagita and I have both pledged to keep uplifting your voices. Um, so reach out to us if there's things that you think we missed in this or you think are important, we will link them in the bio. We can do another one of these episodes. Yeah. Um, just know that we are, we're not going to just let this go. You know, this no. is really important to us and your voices are important to us and you are valued. You are valued. I love that. Okay. Bye. <laughs>